0: Silent night, scary night,
1: Krampus creeps up to give you fright. Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of the Midnight Film Review. I'm your co-host Brian Stevens and with me is Colin Smith. Yeah. It's like almost more than I can count man. We're almost at 15 that magic number.
0: Double digits, that's, that's scary.
1: Pretty soon you're not, you're gonna run out of fingers and toes. <laughs> is that a threat? <laughs> yeah, that's a threat. Keep showing them off. Cut uh, them off. Yeah. He likes to show off his fingers, yeah, and his toes. They're long and dexterous. <laughs> it's impressive.
0: Good for probing
1: and exploring.
0: The universe. <laughs> the, the mysteries, the mysteries of the universe.
1: I think uh, that's what Jane Smith's cult is all about. By the way. <laughs> I don't know uh great show great show uh, we had an awesome show last week I think yeah. we're going to uh, continue the trend this week uh, we've been we've been talking about this episode for a while uh, trying to get things nailed down we're gonna have an open discussion
0: about a whole bunch of stuff like James Cameron 3d avatar uh, and all, all the the fun that surrounds maybe our, so. our future with avatar
1: there's a lot I can't there. wait yeah I mean, uh, maybe some uh, box office chit chat here and there maybe maybe a um, couple recommendations uh, coming your way and uh, something that for me that you shouldn't watch um, and then we're going to end it with a review of Krampus surprising surprising movie not and not about menstruation it turns out <laughs> it's, it's not no. See, you know I when I first saw Krampus that's what I, I thought it was was about uh, these little elves that crawl in women's vagina that give them periods
0: yeah I, th- I thought it was the the latest uh pixar film it was a <laughs> a holiday themed uh, exploration of women's reproductive health for <laughs> kind of like inside out child, but yes. inside the ovary or uh-huh. inside
1: the uterus mm-hmm. hmm. Ex- exactly like that actually yeah. that might that might be actually good once again we have gold nuggets pixar we're mm-hmm. willing to sell them to you at a very very good price Exorbitant, very exorbitant price. Oh, it's oh, going to okay. cost you, yeah. Sorry, I misspoke. Exorbitant. Uh, so, do you want to get this started? Where do we want to do we want to begin our James Cameron Avatar talk? Well,
0: maybe uh, just pointing out that Cameron has signed deals for, it's, it sounds like, from what we could find, at least three more Avatar films. Naturally. Um, yeah. Which, you know, makes perfect sense. Um. So Avatar, Avatar is made at this point two two point seven eight eight billion dollars, something like that. Like pushing pushing towards three billion dollars right now, um, and it's the most profitable like entertainment production. I I don't know, you know anything, movie, video game, song, whatever. It's it's made the most money.
1: And it's not even close.
0: Yeah. Nothing, nothing is close. I mean, the yeah, the next closest movie is like half... 500 million dollars away, and then the, the next one after that is a billion dollars away. So... <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. It's small incremental leaps there, but...
1: We're in the wrong business. Uh, something. <laughs> uh, but... So part of this conversation you brought up is uh, because you had... Uh, been exploring you know somebody had asked on reddit the cultural impact i guess and slash film podcasts had talked about this it, it was honestly a spur of the moment thing if you listen to the podcast they were just chatting and they made a clip about the cultural significance of avatar and one of the other hosts jeff canada said i think there is a, a significant cultural impact and they discuss it and it just seems that there isn't yeah uh, i mean you even name a character, or uh, like you said, a character, a line, or even a uh, major plot point in the film, other than unobtain unobtainium, like, I, I would have a. And I, is I, that I mean?
0: <laughs> is that a plot point? I guess it is, but but we only remember that, remember that because they called it unobtainium, right? Yeah. Um, so I remember. Well, I so there there are a couple important things here. One of one of which is 3D and James Cameron and the I guess the reason that this movie is was kind of I don't know hyped up the way it was. But I I remember seeing this movie in theaters and thinking like, wow, I will never Sit through this movie again.
1: There was just nothing there. Can I be honest with you real quick? Yeah, I saw this movie three times in the theater. Uh, the first time I saw it was opening night because I was really interested in seeing it. And to be honest, I mean, James Cameron is an excellent storyteller, and he—I mean, if you look at his history of movies, they all are—they all do gangbusters at the box office, except for probably his best. Mo- well, one of his better movies, The Abyss. It, you, 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 can, you can't deny he has a connection with audiences, specifically mass audiences. Um, so the first time I saw it uh, was because I was generally interested, uh, particularly in the 3D. That was the main driver. The second time I saw the film um, was, <laughs> I, it was I was kind of coaxed into seeing it again. And then the third time was because my wife, who I was then dating, wanted to see it, and we took our cousin. Um, And it was a special experience for her as a child. I mean, she was probably 16, 15 at the time. It was a special experience for her. But looking back at it, it is, it does not leave a mark on you. At all. The story is flat and unoriginal. Yeah. And the acting is not great. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just like,
0: I think about this movie and I'm just confused, really. Um, and I mean, it it was touted, I, I think, uh, for the 3D. Like, that, I mean, that is, that's what brought it to the forefront. I mean, James mm-hmm. Cameron's name, obviously, um, you know, none of that would have been possible without this. But, three, so 3D died you know, 3D died in the, the 80s or something. It, it had been, yeah. you know, it had been around and obviously it had not been, the technology was not what it is. It, films were not really necessarily shot in stereoscopic 3D. It was, yeah, it was sort of a gimmicky thing and, um, this film, like, promised to change movies forever. hmm And, It did in the sense that 3D is everywhere now. Um, And aside from Gravity, I really have no idea why 3D is everywhere. I mean,
1: that's the one thing I will say is thank God it gave us Gravity. Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, hey, there's something good about Avatar.
1: (laughs) But I mean, either one of those films, I don't... I mean, Gravity can play well at home. I haven't watched it at home. But a lot of the impact of that film is being in theater and seeing it in 3D. Yeah. And Avatar definitely. I, I've tried watching scenes just from it being on TV and so that I mean I haven't seen that film since it was in theaters in 2009. It, it just does not.
0: So I can sit down and I can think about gravity and like feel the, the weight of the 3D and like how I perceived the film. And in like the kind of the the psychological anxiety Mm -hmm. that the use of 3D creates and how important that is for putting the audience where the director wants them to be in in the film. And like I can think of specific shots where without the three D they wouldn't have been the same. And I think about Avatar and I just really just draw a blank. I mean Beyond the 3D, but especially when I'm thinking about like where where did the 3D really make a difference?
1: <laughs> the only in thing the, film, the only you know? the only thing I can think of is the scene where he's learning to fly on the back of the dragons, which I don't even know if that's they're called. I don't remember whatever the horse, I, you know, <laughs> the, flying, what, the flying horse, whatever. Yeah. I, that's the only scene. Those are the only scenes where I can think that the 3D maybe was more exhilarating than the 2D. Like, the whole idea was this whole film is shot in 3D, not sequences. The whole film is shot in 3D. You're going to see depth of feel when two characters are talking at a table. And, yeah, you did, but I don't really know... Yeah, but why? Really, why? Is is what it comes down to. Because he could, I guess. I mean, that's the... Well, James... Yeah, so James, what
0: James Cameron has figured out how to do, which is just unbelievable, is he has convinced movie studios to like pay for him to do ridiculous things and then he sort of produces a movie as a byproduct of that. And I mean the the big example is Titanic where you know really he like he <laughs> the studios paid for him to do all this investigation mm-hmm. um, yeah. of the actual site of the the sunken Titanic, and that's what yeah. that was his passion, you know. And he gave them a movie as a, as a result of that.
1: But really, even before that, the underwater technology and filming in the abyss, he did. I mean that that was, uh, I mean, he went. He took some huge liber- liberties in the budget for that that film. I don't know. Have you ever seen the abyss? I have. I- have you ever seen the uh, the scene that was cut from abyss I have not so there's a scene that he cut because the studio was like we're not giving you any more money to make this film and he couldn't make it look the way he wanted um, and basically it's a a tidal wave um, towards the end of the film and so he threw a fit pretty much but it's just an example of him like Pushing studios to the limit of funding just for his pet projects, almost, you know. But then again, it's like, if you make $2.7 million off of a film, it's almost like, thank you, James Cameron.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and Ty- so Titanic was up there, too. And I mean, Titanic's the number two, two gross, right. yeah, grossing film of all time. He's Over two filthy grossing
1: rich. Grossing. He is a filthy rich man. I mean, and God, I don't
0: like Titanic either. Like, I really love some James Cameron films, and
1: Avatar and Titanic are not on that list anywhere. Not even close. I mean, I will go for, as far as to say that Titanic is more visually arresting than Avatar is, though. Like, we went and saw the re-release of Titanic in 3D, and that was a much more memorable experience than, in, you know, when the boat breaks in half. Well, but... Titanic is not trying to like fuck
0: like every square inch of screen space yeah, into true. an explosion of colors and CG
1: nonsense. Like, that's that's very it's all valid. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing that is sad to me though is because I do enjoy James Cameron as a filmmaker, but what this has done is essentially the, he'll never make a non Avatar film in his life. Like, he'll net that any film. Hey, this uh, supposedly we read that he 2020 around there is when the last Avatar will come out.
0: That Well the last Avatar that he's signed a contract signed a to make tra- as yes. of right now.
1: But I mean it's hard for me to believe that since it's taken eight years nine years before this one comes out. So I, but let's just say that that is the case. He spent the twilight of his life making these films. Mm-hmm. And like you said, what kind of cultural impact? And like, if you make art, let's say you make art for money, that's one thing. But I don't think James Cameron is that type of person necessarily. He, he's invested. If he was that kind of person, he could have just thrown together films along the way and made a lot of money.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think at this point he's feeling like his legacy is the technology mm-hmm. that he's leaving behind as a result of these films, and may, I mean, maybe not even necessarily the films, but.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean even, at, even at that point, though, like you said, I mean, Gravity is the only film that's really, I, I haven't seen The Walk, <clears throat> which I heard Zemeckis does some great things with that technology, but it's the last 20 minutes of the film. Yeah. And I didn't see Everest, but I'm not even sure that's in 3D. I don't know. I mean, Dread, like, maybe Dread would be. Dread was fun. Yeah. I didn't see it in 3D, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that. I mean, now, now we're really stretching, uh, you know, uh, yeah, like, and we're reaching here, and I mean, that's the point is, it like, 20 years of your life, making something, well, and
0: this is the biggest film ever made, and it is ushered in a, a new standard for, like, uh, the cinema experience, like, every, everything that is, has action in it, is shown in, almost shown in 3D now, um, yeah. Sometimes it's hard for us to find non three D showings of yeah, films recently, right. which is absurd when it just it adds nothing to my experience. And I guess the
1: other problem with that is they're not even shot in three D. A lot of these films are just post converted.
0: Oh, uh, I mean, almost almost none of them are shot in three D.
1: Like, right? Yeah, I we, can't. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I will not speak because I don't. Know
0: of a film that was for sure shot in 3D? I, yeah, I mean, *Gravity* and *Avatar*. Yeah, <laughs> those I are mean. the two we know. Um, so, yeah, it, it just—it's just, I yeah. We're, and we're we're getting three more of these movies, and I, I'm just not sure why. Was there a what it comes down
1: to it, was it. there a sequel to *FernGully*? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so he's out of source material
1: right that's what so i'm trying, that trying to figure out that? like or is this just going to be avatar 2 invasion of the water people?
0: well and, and that's what's going so that's what that's what it comes down to is there's no reason for these n- films to be made i mean from a commercial standpoint the studios are making money all right they have they have motivation um and i guess from james cameron's weird standpoint like he gets to make up new technology to shoehorn into his film so for the next one he has uh he has (laughs) pioneered the use of underwater motion capture which god that's going to make for a rich film experience i tell you what (laughs) all these years i've just been thinking like man this underwater cg the actor movement is just not realistic but thanks to james cameron that problem is going to be solved forever (laughs) Uh, by 2017. And I just can't wait for a new film era filled with realistic underwater motion. Now we
1: can finally get the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea movie that you've always been pining for. Oh my god. Uh, I, the one thing I am thankful for, though, is that Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio did not take... Because originally they were... Uh, he wanted them to play, which I don't even know the lead character's name. That's I feel bad, but I'm not going to look it that's, up.
0: That's the only thing I do know, is Jake Sully. Jake
1: Suley, that's right. Yeah. So originally that was supposed to be either Matt Damon or Leo, and uh, it just fell through. But, I mean, it sucked to lose either of those guys for five to ten years. You can have Sam Worthington, I don't care. That's fine.
0: Yeah, but is that, is that better to really the fact that this, again, this is... The most profitable movie of all time, and Sam Worthington. I don't want to say he's a bad actor, but
1: I mean, do we even know? He, I mean, what's yeah. he really been in? I mean, I mean,
0: so he was in. He was in the movie. I, I meant we talked about it like a million years ago. The Debt. Oh right, yeah. Um, which was a horrible movie, and. Clash. Yeah, he wasn't bad. Clash I mean, of the Titans. Yeah, he was in Clash of the Titans, uh, and that's. And the, the the Terminator movie with Christian Bale. Oh, right, yeah. Right. Which is more famous for Christian Bale's captured rant at the DP who is walking through his shots repeatedly <laughs> than it is for being a movie in its own right. Um, yeah, right. So, yeah, that, that's what Sam Worthington has on his resume. Like, and I... Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, like,
1: I think about this and I, I get baffled and I get sad because... So, what do we think the sequel to Avatar is going to make? I mean, are we looking at $3 billion? I, so I don't understand how
0: Avatar is so successful in the first place. And because of that, I just... I, like, are they going to be more profitable? Is that possible? Like, do people really... How did this movie make so much money? Do people really care? I mean, it was Dances with Wolves shot in a green screen... With aliens instead of Native Americans to like remove any <laughs> any comment, real social commentary or impact. Like, and and he said for the sequels, you know, they're going to have. I think we read vaguely environment, pro-environmental themes. Um, and that that's the extent of what we're working with. This isn't Star Wars where. <laughs> We have interesting characters and a universe in Struggle. This is a movie that's been made five times already that was so
1: profitable that we're squeezing sequels out of it. And the, there's, so this year there's been five movies that have made over $500 million. One is in the top five now. That's Furious 7. So that's the seventh sequel of a the Furious franchise. I mean, can we really be surprised if this movie does make three hundred or three billion dollars? I mean, I I don't at this point I don't see how it doesn't at least make a billion.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, and Jurassic Jurassic World is up there too. It's yeah. the third highest grossing film of all time.
1: Right. I mean, so. and the last sequel to Jurassic World, the, the third, it yeah, was horrible.
0: Well, yeah, well, the, I mean, Lost World was a horrible film and it set box office records when it came out. Yeah. So, well, we have like the bottom falling out on an overcrowded TV industry, and meanwhile, Hollywood is churning out, I don't want to say turds, but, me, you know, mediocre films or films that are not going to have a lasting impact or be remembered as art, yeah. maybe.
1: Um but, you know... That are, that are making so much money. It so is, much money. What's insane, though, is, you know, Avatar was nominated for eight Oscars, and it won three of them. All on the visual side of things, naturally, but the fact that it was even nominated is kind of like, huh? Like, I mean, acting... I guess, I don't know. Being nominated as a director, I get maybe nominating the movie, because that was the first year they expanded it to fit like 20 films for Best Picture or whatever it was. I get it. It's the top-grossing film. It's going to sneak in there, whatever. But I do none of the actors were nominated. That's an important part of a film is how well the acting is, right? I mean, you, I
0: mean, you would think that's an
1: important part yeah. of the film, but... <laughs> I, d- I guess not. Um, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say other than I uh, can't wait for Avatar 2 to come out.
0: I mean, Avatar 2 is is going to be so lame compared to Avatar 4. <laughs> like, Avatar 4 is going
1: to be the best. I mean, Avatar. I am so curious to just see a trailer and understand, like, was, how, why was this worth 10 years of your life?
0: We here. Here's what I'm holding out for, I'll be honest. James Cameron is going to single-handedly trick the movie industry into restarting our space program. And Avatar <laughs> 4 is going to be shot with new outer space motion capture technology. <laughs> that James Cameron, if you're listening, if this all comes full circle and that's your end game, then you're a genius and I'm sorry I was like not privy to your vision sooner. So yeah, please work please work on restarting our space program through your your studio finance technology shenanigans.
1: Honestly i I hate the Buster Bubble, but I think he's too interested in uh, the ocean. Sadly I think so too. You can you can always hold out hope though.
0: I I can because <laughs> the, the way it's the way it's looking right now. Um, I I think I'm just going to be depressed with the reality of <laughs> what is coming down the pipe for James Cameron and for the film industry uh, as we ready ourselves
1: for an onslaught of Avatar sequels over A the next literal five years. Onslaught. Yeah. Um. It. its good. It's gonna be interesting because they're probably going to be battling it out with Star Wars movies too. So it'll be interesting to see Star Wars versus Avatar, which—which which lasts. I'm guessing Star Wars, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, I think that's gonna do it, right? Anything yeah. else? No. I I'm I'm sad and uh,
0: sad and hopeless enough for one open discussion. I think. <laughs> I hope you I hope you enjoyed my like formless yeah sad rant about. About the fact that Avatar is the the highest grossing film of all time, it really is what it comes to. I mean, to. essentially, I mean, it's, just, it's just depressing. Essentially, it's untouchable too. It's it's such a trite and meaningless film, and it
1: is. That's a good way to it's describe. It. Made more money than God. Put that on the poster. Yes, that's the, um, that should go on the poster. <laughs> Uh, all right so stay tuned and we we'll got we got some recommendations You've been for you. Naughty, lazy, and bad. So I'll steal you from your mommy and Welcome bad. back. All right Colin. <laughs> Welcome back James Cameron fans. <laughs> uh so we got some rec- recommendations for you. Um you want me to start off? Yeah cuz I I have like half of a not quite recommendation sure. so I'll and I'm really excited for my recommendation and I I bit my tongue because I wanted this to be new to your ears too and if I swear to God if you've seen this movie and didn't tell me about it I'm gonna be very angry Well now I'm really
0: excited for your recommendation
1: so this movie is in limited release right now and I I rented it on Amazon for seven dollars which seems like a lot but then again if you would have went and seen it in the theater you would have spent a lot more um and it was well worth it uh i'm beating around the bush a little bit but let me let me tell you about the cast real quick uh the main cast is patrick wilson kurt russell uh matthew fox david arquette and richard jenkins does this uh, seem like a movie you might want to see? Maybe? It's a western. Okay. The movie's called Bone Tomahawks. Bone Tomahawk. Not plural. Just Bone Tomahawk. I've literally never heard of it, so. Uh, so, I had seen it, like, pop up on my Prime, like, on Amazon Prime when I'm on the video streaming. And I, I watched a trailer for it. And I'm a huge Kurt Russell fan. I love Kurt Russell. And uh, especially in a western so i'm like this is interesting let me check it out so i watched the trailer and i was like i'm buying this now i'm watching this now it is fantastic um to say that it's a horror film or to say that it's a western film cuts it short because it's also a horror film but it's also a road film and it's also funny uh so to give you a basic synopsis to not spoil anything um Four men, Richard Jenkins, Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, and uh, um, Matthew, Matthew Fox. Fox, set out to uh, rescue a group from their town that was kidnapped by uh, ca- cave-dwelling cannibals that even the savages of the land are afraid of. Oh my, so this is the Hills Have Eyes, yes. the prequel. I swear to God, (laughs) that is how somebody explained it, is this is the Hills Have Eyes, like, mixed with... That you want to see. That you want to see. Yeah. Um, It is scary, it's intense, and it's brutal. It's so... It's so gory. Like, I don't want to ruin anything for you, Yeah, but there is a scene where a man literally gets ripped apart like a wishbone. That's all I'm going to say about it. Okay. And it is glorious. I had to turn away. It was so brutal. Yeah. Um, Kurt Russell was fantastic. There, There's just so much in my mind right now, like, going back over the film. Um, the director's name is S. Craig Zahler, uh, And he's really, he's, this is the first film he's ever directed. He's written one other movie that <laughs> called Asylum Blackout. It's one of those. Trash, you know, horror films on every horror fest that every city has. Mm-hmm. So, I I don't know how he had this in him, but this movie is, is fantastic. And it looks like it has a decent budget, which I was surprising. I, I don't really understand, like... Well, he has some big name actors.
0: Sometimes they can, if they really believe in a project, they can kind of...
1: Have clout and kind of...
0: Yeah, have clout know. with the studio, again, to throw a little more money at it. But.
1: um, So... But looking at the at the trivia here, it says it was shot in 21 days, which is another way like to get you know to get actors on board and say, hey, uh, 21 days we can get a film shot. Mm-hmm. It's good material. You like it? Let's do this. And for the most part, it's shot with four people in a desert, like so. There's not a lot of uh, you know set no, Yeah, not a lot of it. locations. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is a movie that I know you'll love. It's a movie that. Our listeners will love. I, I I was just so intrigued by this film. Like it is one of the weirdest films I've seen this year. Just a combination of of action and gore and suspense um, and acting. It, but it's not a straightforward. There are definitely these characters are a little outlandish. They're not typical. You know, tobacco and gun smoke type, or as my grandfather would say, horse shit and gun smoke. They're not those type of of cowboys. Okay. Um. But yeah, Matthew Fox is amazing. Really, it's kind of like an uptight uh, gunslinger. Like he, you know, he's got the sharp dress and he hates Indians and brags about how many Indian Indians he's killed, but. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's terrific. I, I, I can't, I don't want it to evolve too much because it is excellent. And maybe we can have a review on it in the future because I guarantee you'll want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to put this
1: one on my to-watch list. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for holding out on me, jerk. <laughs> I just saw it this weekend. Uh, so yeah, it's Bone Tomahawk. Check it out.
0: Yeah. We're going to have to move over to just doing a Kurt Russell themed podcast. I I really think that's the direction we're heading in,
1: you know, and I would be okay with that. Mm-hmm for sure uh do you want to go ahead with yours or do you want me yeah to... well i i mean so
0: i'm not going to call this a recommendation but maybe a something to keep your eyes on um my girlfriend turned on a show on a whim the other day uh and we watched three episodes which were all that were available and uh I was kind of pleasantly surprised enough that I think I'm going to watch it a little bit and see where it goes. So this is a it is a new NBC show, which you know if you've been listening you might be confused. Um, <laughs> yes, I watched a network show, and yes, I actually enjoyed it. Uh, it's
1: called Superstore. Um, I saw a preview for that and it looked intriguing, and oh, I'm glad you watched yeah. it so you can you can tell me if it's any good. Yeah,
0: Great. so so it's a new. Uh, America, it's America Ferreira's new show, and the showrunner is uh, Justin Spitzer, who I really know nothing about. Um, and it's kind of a like a I don't know if sitcom is the right word because I think sitcoms are kind of dead, you know? Yeah. But it, it's a it's a comedy um, centered around the kind of a team of employees at a a big box store um, at like a Walmart. <laughs> and the pilot was a little rough. Um, it seemed like there was nothing special about the show. Uh, the, the characters were kind of flat. Um, and then the the second episode of the show is markedly different. Um, it was funny. It was clever. It was offensive. Um, which I was not expecting, and the third episode kind of continued that tradition. Um, <laughs> uh, so again, yeah, um, definitely if you're, you know, if you, if you're looking for some network TV fare um, or looking for something to have on in the background, then maybe this is worth checking out. I'm, I'm going to continue watching it, but uh, I was. I was pleasantly
1: surprised by the second, and third episodes. So, I so I, I saw the uh, the first. I, I can't believe I already had three episodes because I just saw the first uh, the first like I guess trailer yeah. or, for it or teaser um, this weekend and I and I thought I'm like man that show actually looks kind of funny. Um, I didn't recognize any names. I didn't even know America Ferrer was, uh, was it? but it looks in, in, intriguing. Um, so the other the showrunner has never really done anything no I, I'm just I, I don't want
0: to say that I'm just not familiar here let's see what else he's done yeah I mean it just started broadcasting like at the end of November um, so the showrunner is a writer who's uh, done writing work on Scrubs courting Alex in the office well
1: that makes sense then I mean those shows are pretty good uh, you, you know I, I enjoy Scrubs have their Yeah, yeah yeah they have their moments good way to put it um, is, are there any actors in that that have done anything? Or?
0: No, um, I mean, so America Ferreira and Ben Feldman, um, who I, I recognized. Um, but uh, maybe you've seen him in Mad Men. I never watched Mad Men. He was, I guess he was a minor character. I played Michael Ginsberg
1: in Mad Men that is. Unfortunately, I, I've only seen a few episodes of Batman. That's like one of my blind spots.
0: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I mean, aside from and I've never really seen America Ferrera do anything. So. I would Wait, try. you've
1: never seen Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? Never seen Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Yeah, God. I know. How, how is How are you on the show and you've never seen that? How do I sleep at night? Yeah.
0: Is really is really the question. Um, I mean, I'm not an ugly Betty fan either. Like oh, I know you are, you're
1: a yes. huge you ugly Betty fan. Yeah, right? uh, yeah I, I once went as uh, her for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she has braces, right? The, the, yeah, I think so. That makes her ugly. Uh-huh. God, braces that, and glasses, yeah. That is so disgusting. What, what was what was the '90s film with Freddie Prince where she's all that? Yes, she's all that. She just takes off her glasses. She puts, just, puts her puts her hair down and takes <laughs> and off her glasses. And she's... Whoa,
0: she's hot! Oh, I had no idea. It's all makeup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how the
1: times have changed. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: uh, good thing we're good thing we're past those stereotypes or portrayals of women in <laughs> popular media.
1: It's only 2015, right? That's true. Uh, so, my last recommendation is a recommendation to not watch. Yes. And uh,
0: uh, is, so- there, is there a word for that? Like an an unrecommendation,
1: an anti-recommendation. No, you're just recommending not that they watch not them. watch it. Um, so my wife really wanted to see this film, and she's gonna be so mad that I'm saying this because when we left the film, you know, we kind of talked about how we felt about it. And I was like, basically what I said was performances were great, <laughs> but the direction and the story were just awful. Uh, so. The movie is The Secret in Their Eyes. Secret in Their Eyes?
0: Secret in Their Eyes. The yeah. Secret in Their
1: Eyes. Chuyo Man, I can't talk today. Uh-huh. Um, Chuy, Ejiofor, uh huh. Chuyo 2. 4. I kind of got that right.
0: The, the star of the, the hit film Red Belt. <laughs>
1: and that, that's exactly <laughs> why I brought this up. No. Uh-huh, yeah. uh, but I, I, uh, I, thought, I thought of you the entire time because I feel like Red Belt has to be a better movie than Secret in Their Eyes.
0: You, you say that, and I can tell you without any shadow of a doubt in
1: my mind that it's not. One thing that, that Red Belt is a worse film. One can thing, please continue? One thing that I've learned is if I ever want to get this sidetracked, just mention Red Belt,
0: and this track gets derailed. Watch the rage. Watch the rage bubble up inside me.
1: Oh, yeah. God. Um, well, maybe I'm going to that, feel that way about Secret in their eyes because uh, Julia Roberts, excellent performance for excellent performance. Nicole Kidman, good. I mean, as good as I think she can be. Um, Dean Norris from Breaking Bad fame is great um, in this film. <sighs> um, this movie is nonsensical. It yeah. is just. It has no reason to be made. Uh, the basic story is uh, a woman loses her child, and for political reasons, the killer is let go. Um, And I don't really care. I'm not going to spoil this movie necessarily, but uh, it has an interesting idea behind it. So uh, there are FBI agents in there watching this mosque, and uh, a member of the mosque uh, uh, is seen running from... Garage where a murder, uh, a person has been, their body has been dumped. You find out it's Julie Roberts' daughter. You, I mean, this is all the trailer. Too. Yes, this, is, yeah. yeah, exactly. Except for the mosque, I didn't uh, know that was yeah. in kind of the So but. basically, what happens is uh, the the suspect is actually their rat in the mosque who is leaking information that could potentially prevent a second 9/11 in Los Angeles, which that that is an interesting plot. Now where things derail is, this is told through flashbacks that are not necessarily obvious. So it goes from 2013 or sorry 2002 to 2015, so 13 years in between uh, when the original murder happened and the release would happen, and uh, the present day when Edgy Four decides to come back and try to get the case reopened. Um, the only difference between Edgy Four and 2012 or 2000 Two in 2015 is he has a little bit of gray in his hair. Yeah, Julia Roberts takes off her makeup, and Nicole Kidman looks the exact same. <laughs> so anytime they're flashing back, mm-hmm. it is a little confusing because you have to look for those minute details to figure out is this 2002 or is this 2015? It very that's a very poor filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If you're going to make a film with flashbacks
0: or set prominently in two different time periods, you have to use visual cues to help the audience figure out what is going on. Exactly. And usually that is something that is so elementary that you wouldn't
1: really even think about it. So... And really, so... the My biggest problem with the movie is the way that it is written. And... uh so the writer uh is is Billy Ray. And if you haven't heard of Billy Ray, um he is Michael Cyrus's dad. <laughs> no. Oh. Uh he's done he's done some interesting things. He wrote the screenplay for Captain Phillips, which I mean was nominated. I haven't I haven't actually seen Captain Phillips. Um he wrote the screenplay for State of Play, which is actually a decent movie. He wrote the screenplay for Hunger Games. He wrote the screenplay for Breach. Um but the movies that he has directed uh, and uh, written are movies like Shattered Glass, which was horrible. Um, Shattered Glass, you would remember, it's a true story of a journalist uh, played by Anakin—I mean Hayden Christensen. Uh, not a good movie. Um, and Suspect Zero. Have you ever heard of Suspect Zero? I haven't heard of
0: either of these films, really. Uh,
1: Sus- they are they're—they're not good movies. Okay. Uh, either of them and unfortunately Secret in their eyes is not going to be there and it's frustrating because it has potential uh, a decent storyline a decent cast and more than a decent cast an excellent cast yeah. it has a lot of pedigree in the cast and obviously this guy has done work but the, the script is so transparent there's two or three twists in, in, the, in the film and you can see them coming a mile away and there's a line, and I even, uh, it, it. This is the kind of writing that drives me nuts. And I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it because it's embarrassing, but the line is set up so transparently that before he even says it, I turn to my wife and I say exactly what he's going to say. And it's just like, what, why do, why, why do you? There are ways. I, and these people are professional. This guy has written 20 films that have been made. Yeah. He's written the script for 20 films. And some have been pretty good. You know, some have won Oscars. At this point, it's like... How can you be this bad at writing? It, it just... It, it It's baffling. I don't understand it. I can't... I can't understand how these films get made and how they get made so poorly. Like... Maybe it's just a paycheck. I I get that. I mean, I've definitely mailed in my job from time to time. But then again, you know, you and I work the same job, you know, 280 days a year. Uh You know, this guy's made 25 scripts. I feel like he should put a little bit more effort I don't know. Maybe I'm getting off on a little bit of tangent here. It's just frustrating from somebody who enjoys writing that you just make this drivel. Like, it is so bad and so unnecessary
0: he, he was trying to empower you as an, a viewer to feel just really smart like it worked yeah uh, you're you're so clever you figured out this movie good job
1: the icing on the cake by the way and um I don't know if he listens to this I don't know if we should mention his name but um a, a co-worker of yours and an ex coworker of mine uh text me and told me to see this film uh-huh. um let me just say he's a bartender at your work. And he says it's the best film he's seen all year. So, yeah. Just don't take movie advice from him. And if you listen, I'm sorry. I mean, I probably don't, so. I just, I I feel bad because if he likes this movie this much, I don't want to text him and be like, dude, that movie sucked. That movie sucked and you owe me $10? Yeah. <laughs> I would have had to see anyways. Amanda loved it. So, hey, there you go. Amanda loved the film. She well, thought it was spectacular. It's okay, because she doesn't listen to this podcast either. So I'm pretty sure you're in the clear. Good point. So my <laughs> wife and co-workers don't listen to this podcast. Who does listen to this podcast?
0: Yeah, we already covered our demographic. Isn't isn't it like underage Indian housewives? Yes,
1: that is it. <laughs> Something like that.
0: Yeah. Isn't that what we, the horrible offensive
1: thing we said? Yeah. Something exactly. like that. I'm glad you put we in there, because that means I'm not taking all the heat for it. So. Uh-huh. I think that's going to do it for recommendations. Uh, stay tuned for an in-depth review of Crepus. Scream and fry, children quake at the sight. You were a dick for most of the year. Now Here we are again, Colin. Yes. Another day, another review. Uh-huh. Uh, but I am fully excited about. I can see that you're fully excited from where I'm sitting. <laughs> so, Krampus is directed by Michael Doherty. It was also written by him and a few others. Um, it stars Adam Scott, Tony Collette, David Kochner, uh Allison Tolman, and uh, a few other side characters. Uh, MJ Anthony is the, the, the little boy, Max, that I guess the story kind of focuses around, even though he's not really top-billed um, And then, of course, Gideon Emery as (laughs) Krampus.
0: Really? They they credited somebody for that?
1: Yes, and I've been waiting all day to say his name. Gideon Emery. Gideon (laughs) Emery. Krampus. So let me just start off. I'll start off with the review. I was excited to see this movie just because I thought it had potential and, uh, you know, movies like Black Christmas and Silent Night Deadly Night and uh, I feel like I'm missing one other Christmas horror <laughs> movie uh, not that there's a lot I'm sure I'm sure there are plenty actually they're uh, just so bad that we don't know what they are right yeah so I was actually but I was looking forward to this I thought it was interesting uh, and it paid off in an unexpected way for me yeah um, because I expected it to be uh, scary and funny but it ended up being a little subversive and more creepy than scary.
0: Well, alright, so the first thing I I wanted to say is I have a a tagline that they should use to sell this movie, which is if you're going to see one movie this holiday season, see Star Wars, The Force Awakens. If you're going to see two movies, see Star Wars and Krampus. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So, uh, I <laughs> I didn't think this movie was going to be any of those things that you just said. I wanted this movie, or I hoped it was going to be, but, like, what, so I saw trailers for this film before we talked about doing this podcast, mm-hmm. and this is one of those movies that just does not get made very often. <laughs> I mean, if you think about how how they're billing this movie, this is a... Christmas-themed comedy horror film.
1: Yeah.
0: So, like, That's... I mean, and, yeah, how often how often does that roll around?
1: Never. So,
0: never. So we, we had to go see this film. You know, it's, well, with, our, with our taste, this was a no-brainer. <laughs> this was going to get reviewed. Right. Whether or not it was going to be a good decision to spend our hard-earned money seeing this in theaters, you know, we couldn't have known until we got there. Uh, I was so happy so happy with this film I will just say that that's a good, that's a good start
1: yeah I, so. I, it's hard to say you're pleasantly surprised because I think like you said we both wanted it to be certain yes. things but I think that we didn't have our our, our the, the bar wasn't set in my mind very high um, I enjoyed Trick or Treat which was his other film which I have not even seen heard of so um it's been a staple for me uh, the last few halloweens it's it's fun and uh whimsical in the way that this this movie is um (laughs) but i would have never dreamed that this movie would be as good as it is based on seeing that it's an anthology uh horror anthology so uh let me break down a little bit what of why I like Krampus, and then we go to you, and then we can go to sports
0: well, Should we? Should we do a plot synopsis first? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so um, this is the the story of a a family, um, more specifically, a little boy who uh, loves Christmas, and you know is like the last bastion of kind of the holiday spirit um, in his family uh, until. He is kind of pushed to the breaking point and he uh, he loses his Christmas spirit and kind of wishes that uh, maybe wishes that his family would go away or wishes that things were could be how they used to be, Uh, which it turns out is how you are visited by Krampus, um, who is kind of like. I think they say the the opposite or the, the, shadow, the shadow, the twisted yeah. shadow of Saint Nick. Yes, but uh, he comes to sort of grant the little boy's wish and uh, be careful what you wish for, sort mm-hmm. of way. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, comes to rain destruction and uh,
1: take everybody away, sort of. I guess. That, I mean, that's a great synopsis. I, yeah. I feel like that. Okay. I mean. So the way I described this movie to my coworkers and, um, in my written review of it was it's a concoction of Elf, It's a Wonderful Life, Evil Dead, and Drag Me to Hell. It's all those films kind of mixed into one. Um, <laughs> It's, it's hard to really talk about this film too much because I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, I compare it to Elf because... It, if you have seen Elf? I'm assuming you have. Wolf yeah, I'm really
0: wondering how you're going to make this comparison
1: work. So, Santa's sled doesn't work because the kids no longer believe. The, okay. The belief in Christmas uh-huh. is gone. Yeah. This movie, the, when you no longer have faith or believe in Santa his sled doesn't it's not that his sled no longer works but it gives fuel to
0: Krampus I don't I don't think it's a literal belief in Santa though it's just like the holiday
1: spirit holiday spirit I mean, yeah and I mean well okay, okay. I mean, that's the same idea alright right? if you say so uh, an elf uh, and then the whole uh, it's wonderful life I wish I was never born he wishes his family like he it literally says in the movie I wish I hate them I wish they would all like go away like uh, and he gets his wish much like George ben. he sees what it would be like if they were all basically <clears throat> massacred by a demon um, instead of an angel coming to show it's a demon yeah. Um, and that's where the evil dead uh, it reminds me of the evil dead because they're all locked in one space it pretty much takes place in a house and they have to f- objects come alive and different things happen and uh they have to. F- they have to fight their way out of this house. Yeah.
0: Um, well, I mean, aside from like any literal comparison to the way Evil Dead is structured or shot or something like that, maybe just if like it. We I think we said leaving the theater. You could this movie could be like the Sam Raimi Christmas special, holiday yes. special, <laughs> yes. or a very Sam Raimi Christmas, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It just has that sort of like. Effortless um, blend of like impact and um, humor, and not necessarily taking itself seriously, which is hard to pull off. In yeah, films.
1: yeah. Um, and still remain yeah eerie and terrifying in its own way. Sure. Uh, and uh, the one thing that is lacking from the film is there's no there there are almost zero jump scares, um, which. I'm okay. Not that jump scares would have made it better, per se, uh, because it is frightening enough. The imagery alone is is haunting. Uh, you know, I went to bed last night, and I was kind of like, not freaked out, but just like... Some of those visuals stay in your head. Uh, Jack in the box. <laughs> Terrifying. Well, I, yeah, I mean,
0: I so... I think you said a lot of people made the point that or detracted from the film or tried to detract by saying it wasn't scary and I don't think it's a I don't think it's a scary film but it is legitimately creepy mm-hmm. um, and and several scenes uh, there are some <laughs> again i yeah try I'm not gonna say anything specific because of spoilers but uh there are some seriously creepy ideas and some
1: definitely some creepy imagery and also the director doesn't hold back like there is uh, no one you don't feel that anyone is safe ever in the film no and uh, another thing is this this is a
0: dark film this is a surprisingly dark film very dark um which i was not expecting at all like i ke- i kept waiting for uh like the like the usual Horror movie cliches like the the one person we thought was dead actually mm, yeah. is coming back to save everybody, yeah. or you know, and it is it's just it is a, a much darker darker film than I expected, or when I was you know on my way into the theater, which is great, right, right? which makes it different.
1: It, um, and one thing that was kind of weird to me is there's no there's not a lot of gore in this movie either none of the deaths happen on camera everything is kind of off camera well
0: you said massacre and I I don't really think that's necessarily the right word for what happens but there yeah there is uh there is very little blood or gore or even violence in a certain sense there's not a lot there's not a
1: ton of and the, the violence is very playful. Yeah. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not extreme. It's, it's not, a, it's not, it's no bone tomahawk, let me tell you that All right, right. Now. Uh, the other thing is, this movie's written a PG-13. And I, when I saw that, because I didn't realize that going into it, but like, looking back on it, it's like, yeah, I can't get it. There's no gore. It's not super scary. There's not a lot of language in it. But I'm not sure I would ever want to take a 13 or 14 year <laughs> old to see this film. I mean, if I saw this movie when I was that young, I would be terrified come Christmas Eve.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, that is a funny point because the way our rating system is set up is not really. Like, it doesn't take into account anything but overt sex acts and nudity or profanity or violence. And, uh,. While this film doesn't have those things, it is <laughs> the, especially the if you if you like take away the message of the film, which I'm not going to say what that is, but it's dark. It yeah. is this is not it's not a child not a child appropriate
1: film by any means. <laughs> no. um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the goals of a movie like Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street is uh, to defeat cynicism with faith. Yes, and this movie is. Almost it's almost the Catholic's version of salvation is to just scare you out of out of hell like this is if you showed a thirteen year old they they would i would venture to say they would just believe in Santa Claus because they were afraid of Krampus I mean that is i mean is that you think that is it
0: <laughs> yeah I mean I don't think that's I don't think that was the, their intention making this film necessarily, but no, but I mean yeah. Like,
1: Either you have faith, or you're gonna burn. Your whole family gonna die. I mean, I, I just, I just think that that's an interesting. I mean, because there is a sense of, just like those other films, just like any other Christmas film has a message of faith and hope and like, over cynicism and, I mean, not necessarily even in religion, but just in the the spirit of humanity or giving and sacrifice. Uh-huh. This film has those themes, in a way, and, but it's a lot, a lot darker, and they come across a lot more harsh.
0: Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if, if the, yeah, the, the message is, is the same at the end
1: of the day, either. Yeah, we can talk a little bit more about that in spoilers, I guess, but uh, yeah. uh, overall, I, I, I gave this film a plus. I think that uh, it was almost a perfect film for me.
0: Yeah, I so like. Do you know what the runtime is? An hour and thirty minutes. So I think about twenty. You know, I was very skeptical going in, but by the twenty-five minute mark or so, I was like, "Man, I just really hope the rest of the film is like. I hope it stays this good." Mm -hmm. Um, And it
1: does. So, I. uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the cast too. We should t- touch on that for a second because I think it's perfectly cast. I think Adam Scott, Tony Colette, they they're tremendous. Uh, the actress I, I can't pronounce her last name, or I can't pronounce her, her last name is Farrell. It's like uh, Conetta Con- Conita uh, Farrell who plays Aunt Dorothy. Yeah, uh, she's she's great too. Uh, she actually made the film for me in a lot of ways. Conchata, I don't. Know. Conch- yeah, Conchata Farrell. Um, I thought she was great. She was she was uh, kind of like the humor sidekick, and then David Koechner was. Uh, I, I was worried in the beginning that he was going to be over the top, like he can kind of be sometimes. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, yeah, that's the almost the only thing. Yeah, Koechner.
1: Kech- Koechner. Yeah, Koechner.
0: It's almost Co- the Kechner. only thing Koechner is that he does is play champ from right, yeah. like just ridiculous over the top characters. And he is uh, about as understated in his performance as he's ever been. I mean that, you know, that character is the reason he was cast and mm-hmm. he delivers it in lo- certain lines, I guess. Yeah. But you know, there's overall, I, yeah, I, I think the cast, I, I think they did, they did well. Um, I think really the the bulk of the the characterization is done with the the kid with Max. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel like anybody is super well developed in the film necessarily. Besides him, they're all kind of one dimensional. But I don't really think that matters. It didn't matter for me at the end of the day. So
1: they're, I, yeah, they're they're very much characters of a midwestern family who is visited by redneck family yeah i mean it's it's like uh
0: national lampoon's christmas vacation or what is that the name of it yeah, yeah it's, it very it's, much is it's how it starts at least yeah. um, um
1: but yeah uh, i don't know uh i loved it anything else you want to say before we had the spoilers no um if
0: you stop listening now good just go see krampus turn yeah. off the podcast and go see Krampus see it it's, now it's fun
1: yeah uh, make this a new holiday tradition see Krampus <laughs> oh
0: I god I hope that I hope that's the case
1: <laughs> alright if you don't want to hear spoilers for Krampus stop listening now what honey wow
0: are you kidding really? me you
1: just ruin it every oh. time oh. I'll see you at home well, wait so a second. rude now how would you not know that that was taking place alright Colin spoilers for Krampus <laughs> yes Spoilers for Krampus. Have you ever seen a more vicious end to a film? I, you know, I think just brutal
0: is is how I would describe the ending. Hopeless.
1: <laughs> Hopeless and brutal. Just um, I I was shocked because I, I kept thinking, like, we didn't see any of these characters die on screen. Yeah. And they're gonna come back, and I was just like, oh, please don't end it. In my mind, I kept thinking this is Cabin in the Woods all over again, where the ending is going to ruin it for a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, it's going
0: to undermine the rest of the film. Well, and that and that is why this film is so different from anything that maybe you've seen before, definitely different from what we were expecting, in that they don't take it to any of those cliché places. At all. Like, I, you know, I was waiting for the the teenage daughter to... Show back up yeah. and to have like figured out the the key to defeating mm-hmm. Krampus the entire film, and nope, she did. <laughs> um, and just the little things like that. So, but by the end of the film, like you're you're waiting for because I I just couldn't conceive that it was going to end on such a dark note. Right. I'm like, where is the turn? Where is the Deus Ex Machina? When is like? Max going to go back on this and, like, summon the real Santa Claus yeah, to... Yeah. Or when is, like, you know, his dad going to appear, like, having escaped? You know, just... Yeah. How how are the characters going to get out of this situation? Um, and
1: they and, don't. It, it definitely didn't go there. They <laughs> definitely... They went... And it really, honestly, that's why it reminded me of Dragman Hell so much. I mean... Spoilers for Drag Me to Hell, uh, we talked about this in an earlier podcast, where, you know, that movie's ending is brutal. Yeah. And this is the same thing. I mean, in a very similar way, they both go to a fiery pit, only to be aw- awoken in a, even, I couldn't think of a worse way. Yeah, Like, uh, a snow-globed purgatory. Uh-huh, yeah. I, I mean... It's like, oh, you you wish that you weren't with your family? Well, now you're going to be with your family forever Mm -hmm. in a small, confined space. Yes. Forever. Uh, Brilliant. I mean, it was brilliant writing. Uh, And the cojones. Yeah. To pull that off. Yeah. uh, Kudos to the studios for allowing that to to happen. Uh, I mean, this movie is... This movie came in second in the box office. It's doing really well. Um, And... A lot of that is word of mouth because I don't, I mean, I don't think that there are a lot of families that are sitting around seeing a trailer. But like you said, this is such a a different movie. You're not going to see this movie ever again. Um, And it's well well worth a a look. Um, One other thing I kind of wanted to talk about uh, is the unique design of this film. Uh, So... Just the way that it has a take on uh, holiday traditions or gingerbread cookies Mm -hmm. or gingerbread men Mm -hmm. being vicious, (laughs) nail gun toting killers. Yeah. So, so awesome and so different, you know. Uh, Vicious teddy bear with teeth. That Jack in the Box was freaky. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: really well, well I, so the really the the gingerbread man seemed like kind of the obvious choice oh, for, sure. for me yeah like they didn't really do much for me but the the angel and the teddy bear the angel was the jack in the box outside of the box Ugh. with slin <laughs> like pred- predator jaws Ugh. like swallow yeah
1: yeah um, and I also like the design of the elves. Like, uh, their mystical, uh, evil masks. And there was a lot, there was a lot of details in the set design, I feel like, of of Krampus and of the demons, the elves, even the reindeer, like...
0: Yeah, which are only on screen for a minute, but, yeah.
1: The, the dreary snowmen, I don't know how else to put it, like, they're just...
0: They were fucking creepy. Yeah, haunting. I I don't think dreary is the is the right word. They are it's like underscoring they are or something, yeah. menacing
1: and menacing is yes disturbing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> what was your what was it was there a particular part in, in the film that you like that you where you were like yes this is other than the end but was there a part where you were like holy shit this movie is good. I, I you know, I don't, I don't know. Um,
0: well, I, I felt like the quality was there, um, really pretty early on, um, when things started to go south, when the snowmen show up, when the daughter is kind of mm-hmm. wanders into the house, hells- Krampus's hellscape that he's creating. Um, and it just, it never really relented from that. Um, but I, I don't think I could have really appreciated everything until we, until you get to the end, until yeah. you you like you see you see a baby being taken, and in my mind at the time I'm like oh it's okay they're gonna get the baby back yeah no yeah. they're not <laughs> they're not gonna get the baby back <laughs> it's gone it's, it is just game over that your character is gone, and just as they dwindle and like. I mean, yeah, the film like it. The last ten minutes like breaks you emotionally. I, I don't mean that in the sense that like you're sad and distraught, but yeah. like Adam Scott, who is arguably the the you know he's, he's your source of source of strength yeah. or maybe hope. Like that these characters are going to make it through. He sacrifices himself, and usually that means that everybody else is safe in the film. And you just watch the adults get sucked away, one at a time, immediately. Yeah, that was rapid succession.
1: That was for me was a huge part. I know that's sort of in the film, but when he gets when he gets sucked away, you know, you're kind of like, okay, so now Toni Collette, she is going to be the the final girl.
0: So now, yeah, uh uh-huh. and And then Max are gonna, you know,
1: yeah, and then she immediately dies, and I was just like, okay, so there's no way they, they. this nine-year-old and ten-year-old are not going to survive this film or something's going to happen. And, you know, he hands Max the little ornament and, like, pats him on his head and was like, you got your wish, buddy. And then Max being like, no, this is not how it's going to... And you're like, oh, God, what is... That's where you kind of get that trepidation of, like... Yeah. This film's not going to... And then he just drops him into a hole. Like, you should have just went on your way. Now you're stuck, buddy. Good job, Max. Merry <laughs> Christmas for everyone. Just a terrific conceit. Like, it was amazing. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about, because for me, I actually, when I first started uh, this scene, I was like, oh, God, this is going to take me out of the film. But I, I really thought it was unique, and that was the animation. Mm-hmm. In the middle part the, of the, the film, flashback. yeah, I really, I really appreciate the way they did that. It could have easily been a live action flashback, mm-hmm. but uh, to because at this point we really haven't seen Krampus, so uh, we don't really know what they're about to go into. But that flashback to me set it up perfectly.
0: Well, it's also the production of the flashback is also reminiscent of like Chris, Christmas specials, yes. you know, which yeah is what I think why it works so well
1: yeah I agreed. yeah it makes you think of Rudolph or uh, something like that and it it is (laughs) that is dark yeah Uh, you know little girl's bread getting stolen and ripped apart and her doll yeah and her doll getting thrown in the fire Uh like uh, that was a it was weird and strange and I didn't expect for that to happen but very very effective Um, anything else you want to say about Krampus
0: no, I, you know, I think we pretty much said it all. Just, like, wow, I can't believe they went the direction they did in this film, but I'm so glad they did.
1: Yes. I definitely, I can't wait to see this again when it comes out um, on, you know, on streaming or DVD. Uh, definitely, maybe I, I'm going to show people. I can't wait to trick my family into watching this over yeah. Christmas, really. Like, That's a good one, uh-huh. right? Like, yeah. um. And I'm glad that it's doing so well. That and then that you know that makes me feel good. Uh, that let would know like this is the kind of art that needs to be seen and can have fun with it. Um, but uh, I think that's going to do it. Right? Anything else? Uh, no. Uh, Red belt sucks. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to say here. Uh, what should, are we... that, should
0: that be my sign off?
1: <laughs> Red belt sucks. David Mamet, go home. Yeah. Uh, what? So, what are we seeing? What are we going to be reviewing next week? I don't know.
0: We uh, we might have a lull in, uh, in theatrical debuts until the holiday movie, like Freight Train, arrives. Yeah, until with Star Revenue, Wars. Star Wars and yeah.
1: uh Hateful Eight. I don't particularly want to review In the Heart of the Sea because that means I'd have to see the movie, and I really have no desire to see. Uh, sorry, Thor. <laughs> Uh, if one
0: more person tells me that that like this movie is based on the inspiration for <laughs> Herman Melville writing Moby Dick, I'm going to I'm just going to punch them in the face. Like <laughs> there're just so many things wrong with that idea. Like,
1: I don't know. Ron ha- Ron Howard, why are you doing this to me? Why have you <laughs> Ron Howard is just a band I don't what's the last Greek film Ron Howard made? There's a I don't know. Question for you. Because I... I, Apollo 13? Was that? Uh, Well, I'm going down the list right now, and I'll tell you, it's pretty barren. Um, But we've got some loading issues here, but, uh, I mean... oh, I haven't even heard of... I mean, these are definitely not movies that he's uh, directed. um, Probably produced on... Uh, man, I you look at this list of movies he's directed, and Rush I didn't see, but it got pretty. It got nominated for some awards. I, I
0: heard good things about Rush actually,
1: but but The Dilemma, which was awful, Angels and Demons, which was better than The Da Vinci Code, but wasn't very good. Frost Nixon Nixon's actually a pretty decent movie, and then The Da Vinci Code, <laughs> I would say. The Missing, which I don't know if you've seen The Missing. That's probably the last movie of his that I would say.
0: I don't know. I, I, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Frost Nixon, but it is not. It's not a film for everybody. No. It's not a conventional film at all. It's very specific. <laughs> That's being polite. It's like it's. I don't know. It's. I don't know if it stands on its own as a film. It's. It's very. It's you very, can say it. It's very performance driven. It's. It's like an interesting, important part of history, but.
1: It's boring. You can say it. It's not for everybody. I'm not going to say it's boring. I'm not going to say that. But uh, put that in for Katie. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it in for Amanda, and we'll I'm see who the longest. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, have you seen The Missing? No, I've never seen The Missing. It's a pretty. I would recommend it. It's a little. It's a little long, but um, I mean, Kate Blanchett and Tommy Lee Jones. You can never go wrong with those two. Yeah. Um, Anyways, we're getting a little sidetracked here, so we'll probably have a, one of those niche episodes for you next week. Um, maybe we'll do that Kurt Russell thing. If you watch Bone Tomahawk, I don't know, we'll see. Maybe. Maybe I'll drag you over to my place and make you watch Holy Mountain. Oh yeah, we've been talking about that for a while. Yeah, we can... Uh, that is not a sexual innuendo. No. It's an actual film.
0: No. It is, uh, yeah. Supposedly will make us feel like we're on drugs just by watching it.
1: So maybe we'll do that. Well, we, we don't know. Stay tuned. Um, that's when I do it. Hey, guys. Uh, email us at midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. We still have no uh, emails and Colin's really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, also, give us a review on iTunes. And now you can check us out on Stitcher. Hopefully soon. Uh, <laughs> it's in the works. Yeah. So download a Stitcher app if you have an Android, And uh, search for us and listen to uh, Midnight Film Review.
0: We know we know there are people besides our moms listening because we only have two moms, and there are at least three people listening to the podcast. So, whoever you are, mystery person, we desperately crave your attention.
1: Yes, we do. Uh, let us know. Let us know who you are, and we'll say your name on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's instant celebrity.
0: Uh huh. Yep, that's what we have to offer here. <laughs>
1: uh, wait, you're hey when when we're when we got that big deal from Hulu and uh, those. And all those studios knocking on our door our, for our
0: Hulu sponsorship and helping <laughs> helping James Cameron yeah. and his space races <laughs> paid consultants.
1: Yeah, you're gonna wish we we said your name on here but then we won't. We'll say no. Hey, listen here, Joe Johnson. You, when you see our when you see our names in the credits
0: for Avatar Five, you're gonna know that <laughs> you missed the gravy train, and you will have to
1: live with that. Yeah, it's like missing a photo op with uh, Jason Priestley.
0: nothing is nothing is as tragic as that
1: (laughs) all right i think that's gonna do it uh we'll see you next time thank you bye